This episode contains strong language. So one particular night, he was there for maybe a week or two at a time. He had a young bass player who got overserved that night. <laughs> then he got angry and I guess mad at my dad or jealous or whatever. And so he picked a fight with my dad and this young guy took a chair, like I'm like 13, I guess, you know, he took a chair, threw it at my dad and my dad ducked and it went through the lobby window of the, of the hotel lobby where we were Holy and broke shit. the window out. So needless <laughs> to say, the cops came, <laughs> arrested wow. the bass player. The next morning we went to the jail. I'd never been in a jail, thank goodness, you know, at 13. And there was the bass player, hung over, hair all messed up, you know, peering out between the bars of his jail cell. And we took him his suitcase, all of his stuff. I think his mom was coming to get him or something. But the next night, I had the gig. Because <laughs> the guy was in jail and lost his job, so I was in. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. All right, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. All right, let's get to it. My guest today is Terry McBride. Yes, he's a legend in the country music industry. Um, he famously um, toured with Brooks and Dunn. Yeah, know those guys? Yeah, I wrote a lot of songs uh, for them and for a lot of people, okay? Really, a lot of people. And now he's out doing his own, and he's done his own music and played. He's, he's a you know wonderful musician, songwriter, really just an all-around, right? This, this guy can do it all. Um, he's out with a brand new album called Rebels and Angels. Um, and so he's on to, you know, talk about that, talk about, uh, you know, the title track that's out rebels and angels. And that's the name of the, the, um, obviously the, the album. Um, so there's a couple songs out albums coming out here at the end of October. And, uh, yeah, he's, you know, talking about that. It's a really wonderful conversation. Terry is super funny. I had such a great time, um, you know, and it gets emotional to be honest with you. You know, he talks about his sobriety, um, and the struggles with that and some, just some crazy stories, right. Of, of that. And, um, yeah. And a great story of how you heard it at the, at the beginning, a little bit of the story, right. And that, that, that first clip, that's basically what that is of how he got his first gig, um, you know, at 13 years old. So really great story. Um, and a really great guy, really excited. So yeah, stick around for that. Okay. Before we get to the episode, um, as always, don't forget, uh, check us out, uh, online and you can go to our website, thelonestarplate.com, boom, from there, you can get to everything. All right, um, and always, you know, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. We appreciate all the comments, every, you know, everybody writing in and, and that sort of thing. Thank you uh, so much. Um, all right, so let's just get to the episode. Terry McBride, the legend. All right, enjoy. You look good. <laughs> you look good too look at that oh your picture's perfect the image oh, okay i'll the, take the quality it it's great okay ah, yeah, there we go yeah you're really clear and cool okay That's cool good. well i'm clear i don't i don't know how cool i am but i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm here 
Uh, <laughs> oh, you're cool. I've been following. I, I checked up on your podcast. It's cool what you've been up to, man. You've been busy. I tell you what, man, we have really put together quite a guest list over the past, you know, six months, really. Uh, we've yeah. been working hard. Uh, three episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have quite a catalog of, of Texas guests. I love it. Yeah, I love bringing I it all together. It. Yeah, anything Texas related gets me interested already. So this is cool. I appreciate you having me on. And are you, uh, are you still down off of Congress Avenue? Where are you? Yep, that's exactly where I'm at, right off of Congress and, and Ben White, basically, just right oh, there, I, South I Austin. Area. I know it well. I, I moved into Austin out of high school. I grew up in Lampasas. And I, actually, I was born in Taylor, which, you know, just down the road. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a musician. He was playing and singing in a big band back in those days in the late, very late 50s when I was born. But, wow. uh, <laughs> see, I've been... Land passes. It was just back then. It was just about an hour drive to Austin. So man, we could zip over and hear our favorite whatever, and then be back home for two days football the next morning. Oh shit! You did two days football. Okay, I know that too. I played Texas football in middle school, and and my freshman year of high school, I think I played. I tried to play. I was like, I'm done. Oh, yeah, brutal. I played hockey. Actually, I ended up moving into hockey full time oh, in Texas. Man. I know that's crazy, but <laughs> it, it, the that contact was still there. The contact was still there and everything. It was still yeah. but you, weren't, you weren't outside in the heat for Woo. sometimes, but not right. Like tech. Oh, my God. That is yeah. like, no joke for people that don't know that. That is no. Oh. I wasn't even a great player. I just had so many friends that played. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was yeah. fast with no talent. So it was just like, <laughs> it was brutal for me. You know, it was just, I don't know what I was thinking. I got beat up worse than, you know, practice than I did in the game even. It was just, it was a lot. And then in Texas, in two days, of course, you get there, there's that thick layer of dew on that grass first thing in the morning. Yeah. You're all padded up and you're, oh, it was just nonstop itching, sweating. I still yeah. can remember the the pain of it, but uh but yeah. looking back, it was fun. Yeah, I did it all the way through high school, man. I played basketball, Crazy. football, ran a little track, and all that was in land passes. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah, so did, did you when, – when did you, like, personally get into music, you know? Oh, like, well, I got early – I caught the bug early because, like I said, my dad was a musician. Yeah. So it was just – everywhere we had musicians coming and going uh, a lot of rehearsing uh, my dad later built a nice cool recording studio so we had some world-class musicians but my dad gave me a guitar when i was nine oh and wow. that really that set me on my path you know yeah. to trying to be like my dad you know when you're young that age you want to be a lot like your dad i really looked up to my father at that time of course and sure. uh, wanted want to be just like him and then um uh, so I started playing, you know, learning, uh, doing what I could. And then when I was about 12, my dad came to me. He saw maybe I had a little bit of talent or certainly a <laughs> desire there, yeah. way more desire probably than talent. <laughs> but uh, he came to me and said, man, here's the deal. You want to grow up and play with me? I need a bass player, you know. So I, went, <laughs> I love it. Recruiting. I love it. Recruiting already. So I said, Okay. And we went over to Colleen, Texas, from near Fort Hood there. And we went to a pawn shop. And my dad found this little Ventura bass. It was like a Gibson SG copy, but a cheaper version of it. 
And uh, I was hooked, man. I went from playing six strings to four. I went, this is perfect for me, you know. Uh, <laughs> two, two less strings and I can be in a band, you know. So I'd take my guitar and my bass on the road with my dad during the summer. And I would sit in. He had everything written out in these big chord charts, you know. So I wow. could literally jump in and play uh, a dance, cocktail set, dinner music, whatever. It was all written out, you know. Once I learned to read that, I was kind of, uh, I was uh, on my way. That's amazing. I mean, that is amazing. So you're like 12, 13, touring with yeah. your dad in the summer, playing yeah. bass in a band. Yeah. And, di- this and dig, awesome. dig this. My eighth grade summer, uh, my parents were going through a divorce. And uh, going through it, I mean, they divorced quickly. There was yeah. no real going, <laughs> going through it. They, just, they parted. <laughs> they made a conscious effort. This is over. Yeah. And so I ended up spending even more time with my dad because my mom split. I just, I happened to grow up next door to my dad's parents. So my grandparents were next door. <clears throat> they literally raised me all through high school. And so I went out that summer with my dad and I could play, you know, I could read the charts so I could kind of make my way. And I was getting better at it, getting good at it. And I think it was Baytown, Texas, Bay City. I cannot remember exactly, but back then talking, you know, early 70s, 73 or so, all nice hotels had a lounge and a lot of live music back in that day. You know, they'd have a, my dad was old school. He would do impersonations. He'd do a floor show. And so I'd come up and do a little thing. So one particular night, he was there for maybe a week or two at a time. He had a young bass player who got overserved that night. <laughs> then he got angry and I guess mad at my dad or jealous or whatever. And so he picked a fight with my dad and this young guy, took a chair like I'm like 13 I guess you know he took a chair threw it at my dad and my dad ducked and it went through the lobby window of the of the hotel lobby where we were Holy and broke shit. the window out so needless <laughs> to say the cops came <laughs> arrested wow. the bass player the next morning we went to the jail I'd never been in a jail thank goodness you at 13 and there was the bass player hung over hair all messed up you know, peering out between the bars of his jail cell. And we took him his suitcase, all of his stuff. I think his mom was coming to get him or something. But the next night, I had the gig. Because <laughs> the guy was in jail and lost his job. So I was in. So I played the whole summer with my dad at 13 and thought in my mind, you know, I'm in the band. Of course, when my freshman year of high school started, uh, my dad let me know that's not the case. But I was heartbroken. I thought, you know, I did a good job. I, when I was 13, I looked like I was about 10 or 9. I was small and skinny <laughs> and very youthful. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I got, I got in and I had a lot of unusual experiences because of it early on. I mean, this sounds like almost famous, right? I mean, from another perspective. <laughs> but, like, you know, yeah. this is, that's, that's crazy. So, you like, okay, kid throws a, a chair through the window you think okay this is all i gotta do to stay in a band just don't throw <laughs> chairs through windows this right. i can do this note to self <laughs> note yeah. to self i love it <laughs> uh, man what a great story that's like well, that's a phenomenal it's crazy story. and plus i can remember the fear of seeing someone wanting to fight my dad that was so scary in the moment yeah, totally. it was not a normal night even for me as a young person underage in a bar you know which yeah. I spent most of my life in that sort of setting. No telling how much secondhand smoke I inhaled during those days. But my parents and my dad especially would haul me around 
all over the place. And I loved it, of course, you know, but maybe not the best environment, but that was one of the more unusual, scary kind of situations that happened. And the kid was a good kid. Like a lot of people all jacked up on alcohol. He turned into somebody else. And it was, it was, it was shocking. I mean, even the next day going to the jail, (laughs) it was, it was, uh, it was a lot, you know, but uh, I took it in. I played through his amp, used his cable. (laughs) for the rest of that run till we got his amp back to me <laughs> then i had I a cool it. tuck and roll custom amp i had my own amp back then a blue sparkle custom amp and then i put that in with the band and we went on we did like i remember we played some officers clubs that summer and um, my dad did a variety of things because he was old school impersonations he was a great yodeler he grew up on jimmy oh, rogers wow. and, yeah, he was a very accomplished yodeler. That was, you know, he was born in like 36, graduated in 55. And he was also a master at that Scotty Moore guitar. He was like the Central Texas Elvis. You know, he could play that guitar stuff. Oh, wow. And, and do a good Elvis. And so uh, he, was a, he was a very successful regional kind of act. But we had our own tour bus later in high school and to that cool studio. Lots of, uh, like I said, world-class musicians I met. Reese Winan, who at the time was playing with Delbert McClinton, but later went on to play with Stevie Ray Vaughan. And uh, Reese just kind of took me in. He's like, man, you're good. And I know a gig that you'd be good for. And he got me a cocktail gig at the Hyatt Regency right downtown Austin on Town Lake there, you know. Wow, yeah. Where it's at. And me, Reese, (laughs) Ernie Darawa, a great drummer that was with the Texas Tornadoes. And we played a cocktail gig with this guy, Carl Hutchins, who was a school teacher and then country singer by night at the Hyatt Hotel. And we backed him up by the waterfall next to the glass elevator. That's where we set up every night. I love that. That (laughs) Five nights nights a week, five to nine. And then Reese put a band together kind of around me, featuring me. And then we'd go play 10 to 2, 5 to 9, then 10 to 2. You could almost make a living in Austin, Texas. Back then, that was probably about 1984, maybe, you know. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful experience. And it just sort of launched me into a bigger, better level of musicians other than just the club guys that I had been playing with. He also introduced me to Leroy Parnell and played with Leroy for a while and a lot of people. Then later, Delbert. Then later, I played bass with Delbert for a couple years Yeah, and, and went on and then met Bill Carter from Austin and Ruth Ellsworth, a great songwriting team. They took me in. I auditioned for Bill's band and I, I got the gig. The next day we left and went out on this amazing tour opening for Stevie Ray Vaughan all the way up to New York City and back. You know, wow. it was just, I was a huge Stevie fan, so it was kind of mind blowing, you know? Sure. Oh, absolutely. We would, we would sit in at night and play Crossfire with Stevie because Bill and Ruth co-wrote that. And uh, it was just more than I could handle almost. It was so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those wonderful. Totally. I'm so, so glad I'm in this situation. You know, to take yeah. the You're like, don't throw a chair through a window right now. <laughs> yeah. <If> you- <laughs> Whatever I do. Yeah. Yeah, thank God I was sober at that point. I, I had come out of a drunken haze of about two or three or, or more years. I'd finally kind of gotten my shit together. Yeah, uh, enough to keep a gig anyway, and uh, and was focusing on songwriting, and that really opened a lot of doors. So I just kind of stayed on that path for quite a, quite a while, about seventeen years before I veered off and went back and and uh, really went into a, 
another spiral that was crazy. And then now I'm sober again for 10 years. So it's that's a, awesome. Well, well congratulations. It, it, oh, thanks, man. It's been, it's good. It's been a struggle, but uh, I oh, sure. live, live to tell about it. And that's kind of the, sure. the, the best part of it, you know? I understand. Look, I, I'm, I'm honest. You know, I've had my own struggle uh, with alcohol. Nothing that ever got too intense where people, nobody had to intervene or get help. But I knew I had a problem where I was drinking yeah. too much. And it was, you know, it was just devastating to my life, to be honest with you. Well, you know? I, I admire people who can admit that and, uh, and understand they have a problem, you know. For sure. Because... I'm oh, yeah. sorry. I've all no, no, please. I've got some call. I have this on some sort of silence, so I don't know why it's doing that. Don't even sweat it. You know, please. It's, I, yeah. That's the last thing we need to worry about. Um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, you we're know, talking about alcohol here, Dan. Totally, bigger, right? Like, <laughs> we got bigger problems than a absolutely. phone call. Yeah, I, I'm with you, though. Um, you know, it, it is important to make that first step of, you know, admitting you have a problem. and Because you're yeah. never, right? You're never going to get to the finish line if you don't start the race to get there right to to get yeah. sober or to, you gotta you gotta start that race you gotta admit it you gotta jump yeah. in and, and say this is it this is what's happening and 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 at that point it's different for everybody that's right, right. At that point you're, it's a, just you're a different exactly journey. right i mean you know, i went to rehab and i admitting it was the first step exactly like you're saying and you know when you're in that sort of i was in that place where an intervention was about to happen i was acting out and uh, in front of people fortunately no one got hurt and nothing really bad happened it certainly could yeah. have but uh so i went and i had to one agree and admit that i had a problem and then i had to prove that i wanted to do something more than just talk about it i had to really take some action i didn't want to go to rehab but i did it and uh, and then like you said when you get in there you realize Everybody has a problem. Everybody has an addiction, but no two people have the same addiction or the same way that they got to it. You know, yeah. how did we get here? No two paths are exactly the same. They do involve alcohol, drugs, that sort of thing. We do have that in common, but everybody's story is different, you know? And, sure. and once I got in there, I wanted to kind of find out why am I doing these things? What is causing, you know, why am I acting out like this? And of course it's a lot. It goes all the way back to problems and, you know, medicating, self-medicating, and, you know, you have to come and face a lot of things that aren't pretty and talk about things you really don't want to that you've been not talking about and avoiding and hiding for years. So it's a process, but it, I came out of the other side of it feeling good, and I got to keep my family and most of my stuff, too. So That's awesome. Uh, it was, That's it awesome, was really right? good. Of course, That's the family awesome. is the most important thing, and they helped me. they helped me through it. But so many of my friends were not so lucky, you know. I mean, it's uh, this business has a way of taking its toll. You know, you're gone for a lot of your career and families. That's tough. It's tough to juggle and balance. And if you don't have a lot of help doing it, then you can get lost along the way. And so many people do. Do you think that's why so many people in the industry, you know, get caught up in these sort of things, the partying, right? I mean, I guess it's just a part of the lifestyle in a way, right? People see that as the stereotype of a yeah. musician, traveling musician, you know, on tour. Like that's but what it's, they do. It's, 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 but it's true though. You're right. I mean, it's accessible. It's everywhere. It's, uh, if you have any kind of inkling and, uh, you know, personality or, addictive behavior 
traits or whatever, you can go down that path real quick and, and you can find plenty of people to take with you along the way, you know? That's There's it a, right there. I think that's yeah. a big thing right there, right? Like, yeah. you're not going alone. We'll come with you. Like, now, you can almost be a social outcast by being straight. It would be hard, you know, for a young you're person right. that has a few morals that maybe yeah. I didn't and a few qualities that I maybe wish I had. It could be hard on someone like that. It would really show uh, who you are. And I admire people like that, truly. I, I see them to this day that they want to talk about my experience because they just have never had it and it's just sure it's it's great that somebody didn't go down that path because i knew so many who did and lots of musicians in the beginning you know it's a it's a it's a lot of learning and wanting but in the beginning there's no money there's no glory no big spotlight on anything it's like even with leroy parnell he was just getting started he wasn't an yeah. act yet. he was just a local guy that was disciplined in writing and I admired that about him, but it was a lot of bad weddings and just gigs that were not yeah, great. And that totally. tend to leave you bored and boredom tends to bring on, you know, problems for people. And alcohol is one way to sort of fill in a little space that otherwise you'd just be, you know, bored, not doing anything. So I get it. I'm just glad yeah, I've, I've gotten totally. to the point where I'm on the other side of it now and, and can awesome. help in whatever way I can. I've talked about it openly. I have no problems. And I really love seeing people have a good time, have no problem with anybody drinking. You know, I think it's those that can do it, man, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just so admire that sort of quality so much. My wife. Most people done. can't do it. They just continue to do it. Right. <laughs> just, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what yeah, I think it is. Yeah. You know? Good. Good point. It's just a slippery slope. You know, you're sure, having exactly. Fun. Then now we're having too much fun. Now we've caused some problems. Now I've got to apologize. Now I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm, you know, now I'm, I've got anxiety. Oh, it's so exhausting just thinking about it. That alone kind of keeps me straight from that type of thing. Alcohol, especially, is just a, sure. it can be brutal when you go about it like I was. There's just there's so much fun. And then all of a sudden, it's not fun anymore yeah. at all. You know, it's like, we yeah. had fun right up until we didn't. It's one of yeah. those kind of things. But <laughs> Unfortunately, man, it was starting to, and when that starts to become a, a, a pattern, then you're, you got a problem, you know, dang it. But, you know, we could talk about that all, all day and those who have known. Yeah. And, and what wore me out a little bit, and, you know, AA is a wonderful thing, but just the war stories sometimes are like, oh, it was, you know, I mean, I get it. You, you need to get that out. But we all have those if you've been through it. You know, it's uh, it's tough. Like like you said early on, no, no two situations are exactly the same, even if even if you're talking about alcohol, you know, it's yeah, different. Yeah. And what yeah, got absolutely. you there is really what's different, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what your drink of choice is. I think that has a lot Ooh. to do with it, too. Right. Like oh. everybody's got their own sort of vice in that way yeah for sure absolutely yeah. it's i mean it, tequila it for thing. me it's like why mess around if you're gonna get drunk you know i mean well let's go <laughs> oh, right i love to, tequila oh i love it and yeah. then there are so many great tequilas you know like back in the day you had jose yeah. cuervo and that was it if you want yeah. so tequila always got a bad rap it wasn't good but along the way they refined and they they've found ways to to make it in such a better 
way and aging process like with some fine bourbon it's just unbelievable so i got hooked on that and it was just so much fun of course you know and i spent 13 years on the road with brooks and dunn and for 10 of those years i was just on the bus writing songs i had no real responsibilities you know my only responsibility was to be on the bus as it's leaving that's all i had to so all that time in between, I could do whatever the hell I wanted to do. Oh, and man. I did. And yeah. I did. And then yeah. finally, eventually, you know, made my way to the bus. Sometimes as it was rolling and they were threatening to leave me. That's You're running along the side of it just like. Yeah. Play, yeah. You know. And usually in just my underwear at that point, you know, so. <laughs> They're like, oh, here comes McBride again. Yeah. Here go- <laughs> I literally. Remember waking up some mornings and the bottoms of my feet would be black because I was like partially naked out in the parking lot. You know, oh, it was it was not good. One of those nights, and I'll share this with you. I was in my bunk, really, really drunk, you know, a heartburn already. I think I'm dying. And uh, I woke up that morning feeling so bad, so rough. And I got a call. I got a text. But what happened before I went to bed, I sent this text off to my wife, you know, some, you know, you know, nasty, half nasty, oh, if you were here, make me what I'd be doing to you right now. You know, it was just over the top, misspelling, you know, (laughs) words left out. Oh my God. So I wake up that morning, I'm feeling bad already. It's going to be a long day. And I get a text message from the rep from the Ampeg company who gives me all my amplifiers. At that time I was playing bass with Brooks and Dunn the last three years. I played bass with them. And it was this guy, Ted Kornblum, who works with ZZ Top, all these wonderful musicians. And he was also working with me. And I woke up to, hey, Terry, who's Kathy? I think I love her too, he said. And I went, oh, no, I have sent my message to my wife, to my Ampeg rep instead. Oh, (laughs) my God. It was a long day, and that was just like one of many, unfortunately, on the road like that. Oh my gosh! Yes, I would. I've been there. I've done. I've, oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> so it's nothing. Yeah. Nothing like that, but you know. Really, I was yeah. glad it was him and not my aunt or something like that. Oh know? right. Because really, oh, he just laughed it off and went, "Man, you sure. crazy!" You know. Sure. <laughs> God, that's cr- God. That's you know what, but it, you know what? It's great to see is where you're at now and how you can talk yeah. about it and how these these stories help people. These oh, stories man. help people make a trade, yeah. right? If they're on the edge or if they're on the, th- it's like, dude, I can get there and have a good life because I think that's a fear too yeah. when you're stuck in that world. What else is there for me? Yeah. You know, there, there is another life. There is a better life, way better life, yeah. you know. Yeah, just physically for me, in my age, I, I sleep better. I was really struggling with that, you know. Uh, you probably drinking. eat better. You probably oh, eat better now, right? Everything. Every- everything is just you know and it's so easy to say now you know when you're struggling with it you can't see it you can't see the other side because you're so stuck in it you know but what you know rehab did the what it it helped me the most with was it just gave me a break (laughs) from it and 28 days later you really start to see things now what you do with it when you when you move on from there is up to you but that portion alone, it just, it gave me the much needed break to kind of clear myself, my head a little bit, take a break from that lifestyle for a little bit. Cause I mean, we were going to like, you know, like with those guys, like Brooks and Dunn, we played the national finals rodeo in Las Vegas, which 
Vegas is on 10 cranked up to whatever anyway on a oh good night. Yeah. And you bring about, you know, 50,000 cowboys into the mix and all of a sudden you got a party at every corner and inappropriate behavior at every casino. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just waiting for you, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's a tough thing to maneuver through. And, and uh, I can do it now and I kind of enjoy it. Well, I tell people all those years I was completely out of control and it was fun and I'm an up kind of guy. So, you know, I, I, I never had a problem with getting into a lot of trouble because usually it was a lot of laughs and a lot of fun, just a lot of alcohol. But now I enjoy being in control, which is a good feeling, you know, when I can, even in my little house here where I write, I have yeah. a little bar, you know, I'm not afraid. I'm not, you know, white knuckled in the morning, fearful that I might, I mean, anything can happen in life, but I like, uh, you know, knowing that I'm in control and that kind of gets me, as they say, you know, one one day at a time through it. That's awesome, man. Th- this is ins- so inspiring to hear, to, yeah. to, be, to be frank. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah, no, oh, it's awesome. man. Well, it. it's turned, turned into a different podcast all of a sudden, but I, I appreciate you. <laughs> Not at all. Are you kidding appreciate me? This is rolling what, with me. <laughs> this is what podcasts are for, you know. Well, this I love right. that about it. And, and I've listened in on several. You've had several of my friends on there, George Dukas and Kyle Park. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, and uh, even Kinky Friedman, who I've met along the way. I, that's interesting. And uh, I knew that was going to be interesting, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, several people. Rudy Gatlin, I've known the Gatlins, you know. Oh, Rudy a lot was of that. hilarious, man. Rudy yeah, was like so yeah, funny. He is a funny guy, and yeah. saw him recently. We went out and did a country music cruise uh, back in February. Really, one of the last things I did. And, oh wow! Uh, yeah. It was great. It was really cool. It was uh, a lot of older artists, but I went along with a friend, Wynn Varble, and we hosted a songwriter series every night. And we started out with a small crowd, but boy, by about night, night three, we had the biggest crowd on the ship. You know, people, a lot of them had not experienced that sort of songwriter storytelling kind of vibe, you know? That's awesome. And, yeah. and we also had people like Randy Owen from Alabama would join us one night. And wow. that, didn't, that didn't suck either. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he had amazing stories. And next thing you know, we're singing along to Feel So Right and things like that. It was pretty, pretty amazing, you know? But wow. uh, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's all been good, but the Gatlins were on that and dig this. Here's a funny story. I was having dinner, you know, there on the ship and I can see these two women at the other table. I'm with Wynn Varble, this other songwriter for Nashville, great songwriter. And uh, two girls are staring and talking and I was going, Oh boy, they, you know, somebody recognizes me, you know, and so they're going to come over and they did. And so uh, she's uh talking to me and when goes hey i'm gonna head on back to the room i said okay and she's going gosh i've just been wanting to meet you for so long you know and i uh just hope i'm not bothering you i said oh no hey let's get a picture and as she's talking she goes well you know i already got the brothers steve and rudy already got their picture so i went oh no <laughs> she thinks i'm larry gatlin oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh shit oh yeah the price of fame it comes with a, a certain cost and it's a, a humbling experience how do you handle something like that because i i mean what do you do what do you say oh, I, I think i made up some stories about rudy one of them was adopted i said and i just rolled with it you know i just i felt bad for her and me at that point <laughs> oh that's exactly what i would do just roll yeah. with it and make shit up i, I love I hated it the, you know then later she's gonna see larry on the ship and go that doesn't look at all like the larry i just met 
<laughs> no, that's awesome. Oh, dang it. I know it. That's crazy. Oh, God, that's yeah. a funny story. Uh, so <laughs> you said that was one of the last things you did yeah. before the lockdown, right? So what is it like now not being able to, because you got a new album coming out. We got to mention that, yeah. okay? Re- yeah. Rebels and Angels. Yeah, we got we to gotta talk yeah, about this new the- album. Okay, we got we to talk about this. Uh, yeah, you know, a new album coming out, right? And what's crazy is, yeah, right? This whole pandemic, global thing hits, right? Touring, going out, promoting. Yeah. You, you must have had a plan in place. So, like, yeah, just talk to us about that, how, how all this is, is going down here. Well, we did. Fortunately, we did have a plan in place, and it was built around releasing this record. And there's so much that goes into trying – Uh, to get a little team together because, you know, everybody's releasing music, especially where you're at, where I'm at here in Nashville. And um, although I spend a lot of my time in Texas, that's my, I've got a great little fan base down there. And I love that. And actually I just released our, my first Texas radio single yesterday, uh, which is exciting because we already have stations playing it and a great station in Austin, Texas is on it. And that's very exciting. But uh, fortunately, with the shutdown, with everything that wasn't happening, we were able to focus on this record. We thought, well, we'll take advantage of that. The timing is good. And it was. And uh, we did a couple of cool things. We were able to uh, film a couple of things, which didn't involve a lot of people and no, no crowds at all, just a couple of small crew, that sort yeah. of thing. Uh, things that we knew that would help move the record along and some things to talk about. Yeah, but my first, my very last show was out at Sundance out in utah with the oh, wow. robert redford's uh, yeah. re- resort out there we did a we did a bluebird songwriter series that was fantastic leslie satcher marv green and myself great songwriters wow. fantastic crowd two shows a, a night uh, no we did uh, two shows total about 300 people each night it was just fantastic and that that lodge is just, it was unbelievable and the people were fantastic so when that happened literally after that the the covid showed up and we knew it wasn't going to be good and so we we just put our attention and focus on the record and and because of that we're getting a lot accomplished we've got a a cool i have a duet that's uh getting some streaming that i really haven't had a lot of that in the past this is a cool new thing that's happening with this album and these new singles and that's a duet with patty loveless and that's created a lot of interest and the good song that i wrote with chris stapleton and i always Loved that song and uh, knew it could be something cool. And then when Patty got in, involved, of course, it, it became something really cool. You know, this is the you're talking about Rebels and Angels, right? Yeah, that's that it. Single. Rebels yeah, and that, Angels. Sing, that single. So that's the name of the album. And this is the title track, right? That, that's it. That's the title cut yeah. of, of the new, of the new I album. I listened to the song. I listened oh, to the song. Uh, it's amazing. Yes, I do want you to tell us when the album comes out. But I just want to tell you how much I love the song. It's I listened to it four times in a row no shit no oh, shit man. i heard it once and i was like okay I, I hit it again and then it was just like well i'm just gonna keep it going until i gotta go somewhere and that's what happened uh so man, that's that is so a, good to hear I, dude oh, that, I that song that. is that song is killer i oh, mean man. killer yeah i oh. loved it i loved it thank you so much man you know i had lived with that song for a while because i wrote it a few years ago and i knew in my heart and in my mind this song will never get recorded one it's a waltz for starters and yeah, it's i like so, that well and it's so country it's such a throwback 
that it almost makes the song interesting because there's not a lot of anything out there like that anymore. But, and then having Patty, my favorite part is when I finish the first chorus, then the song modulates with that big fiddle turnaround. Oh, I love that section so much because what's about to happen, we're going into a different key so Patty can start singing her verse, you know. Then she, she kind sounds of amazing. Comes, oh, she kind of comes out of nowhere. And like you said, she sounds amazing, you know. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's yeah. just ridiculous. It, it kind of makes me angry that it's so good. <laughs> it just, it's just, it's so good. I'm angry. It's like, what the hell? This is, I, you know, it's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's just such a great oh. song. So you said you wrote it with uh, Chris Stapleton, right? Yeah, Which right. I'm a, a big fan of his, big, oh, big yeah. fan of his uh, as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. You guys have worked together a lot though, right? Yeah. We, we used to write a lot that he got discovered and it's changed everything, you know, but in the day when I met him, he hadn't had anything really happening yet. He was just kind of getting a little buzz because he was uh, so interesting and good. His vocals were really cool, you know? So he came over the house. I had never met him, but I liked him. He was so different. Then our song kind of came together. And then when he started singing, doggone it. And he told me that night, he goes, man, I'm playing a little club right down here where I live in Franklin, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I never want to get out at night when it's late, you know, but there was, I was so taken with him that I got up that night, went down and he never forgot that. He is like, man, he couldn't believe I came out. And then we kind of hit it off after that. I have a lot of different instruments that he loves to play. Wow. We started getting a few songs cut. We'd get songs cut just from his work tape. He sounded so good. Alan Jackson, back in the day, like James Otto, Gretchen Wilson, people like that, you know. Wow. And then uh, we just got a song cut two weeks ago by Trace Adkins. It's a song I wrote with Ronnie Dunn and Chris Stapleton 11 years ago, and Trace just cut it. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's, that's awesome, right? Yeah, you're so, like, oh, pull one out of the vault, sell this baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? a song nobody remembers, and it finally yeah. found a home. I've I've had a couple cuts with Trace. He's a great guy. My yeah. last song that he cut, this tells you a little bit about Trace Adkins. He called me. Of course, he's got that voice that just sounds like, you know, God talking to you or whatever <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever God's voice might be, it's yeah, so yeah. big and powerful. Even over your, I you're right. I even you're over right. your iPhone, it's something special going on. Your phone's rumbling. You know, he's got hitting levels that nobody hits. And he called and left me a message because I didn't recognize the number. I didn't have his number in there at that time. But he called. And he goes, Terry. He goes, I I cut a song years a day. He goes, it's so good. I can't believe you wrote it. He said. <laughs> That says a little bit about him. <laughs> uh, he's a, he's a great guy. Everybody likes Trace. They always have. He's just he's just a good guy, and and uh, he has a huge following because of it. You know. No, oh, that's awesome. You know that that's so amazing to get to be a songwriter as well, not just a singer, right? And get these and work with all these great, amazing people. And oh. uh, that's amazing. When you write a song, you know, I have a, a couple of questions about this song. One, like, yeah. you know. I guess one part is, you know, that song was 11 years ago. So I guess yeah. songs have these journeys, right? So you never know when you write a song where this is going to go. But do you ever write a song with, with a particular artist in mind? Well, not often. But when I first started coming to Nashville, being from Texas, growing up there, 
I really, we wanted, and I say we, me, Bill and Ruth at that time were writing these cool country songs. I'd been making trips to Nashville, not getting a lot done, but with them, they elevated my level of writing. We had several, what we thought were really good songs and we were starting to get some feedback and some buzz about it. So they sent up the demos up here in Nashville to a guy named Jody Williams, who was working at BMI back then. I didn't know Jody, but he just took it upon himself to go, man, Whoever's singing these demos, he needs a record deal, is what he told Bill and Ruth. We went, man, that's great. We're going to be there in town anyway. Get us a deal, you know. And <laughs> But we wanted in our hearts, we wanted a George Strait cut. That's what we were headed, you know. Got we're going to set the bar high, but dang it, we wanted George Strait. So over the years, in my second cut ever as a songwriter, my first was John Anderson, and then the second was uh, George Strait. It was a, a song I wrote with Jim Lauderdale. That's and awesome. so that that was literally like a dream come true. I had <laughs> I had wished it and, and dreamed about it. And you have no idea if that will ever happen. And many a great songwriter in town has never had a George Strait. And I've ended up with a couple. And so after that, I would write songs for George. And he would always take one, came close to getting several cuts. But I did have the title of his album called Always Never the Same. That's a song that I wrote. And wow. at the time, they thought, it, they thought it was going to be a huge single. It wasn't, damn it. But... We did get the cut. It was the title cut. But those kind of moments are just so big, it's hard to even put it into words because when you dreamed and lived music your whole life, I've had this, you know, I'm 62 now, which is shocking to even think that, but I've had this love affair with music since I've been about nine, you know, and it's meant so much to me. It's, it's, it can break your heart too, but then there are moments like that where it can just turn the whole thing around and you realize why you're in it, why you do yeah. it. And it's really not for the fame or the money. It's just being recognized for something you created is such a wonderful feeling, especially by someone that you admire and you respect to that degree, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you feel legit, like legitimized in yeah. some sense? Well, it's just so good to be able, when I first came to town, people go, well, what have you done? And it's like, nothing. I've done nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, will you listen to my songs? Well, what have you done? Nothing. I haven't done a single thing. No one's recorded anything I've ever written. No one's even writing with me. I'm writing all these songs by myself. <laughs> I haven't even made it in, up to the level of writing with someone else, but I was expecting a deal, you know, and it didn't come. I, I had good ideas. I had some talent. I just didn't have great songs and I'm coming to a town where it was built on great songs and songwriters, yeah. you know, and artists that recorded them. So I went from, you know, junior high B team trying to get into the pros, you know, it was. How do you giant... become a better, how do you become a better songwriter? You know, for someone out there, right. Who's, who's a starting artist, maybe they just starting to write songs or maybe they're been doing it a long time like you and just, right. What 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 do you you know what steps what what do you do to become a better songwriter? Is there a book you buy? Is well, there... there probably are. There are. I, I think a great way to learn is, uh, especially here, there are lots of and there used to be. We'll get back to that at some point. So many venues where it focuses. There's a focus on the songwriter. You can literally go to the bluebird wherever you want and you can hear your favorite song written by the song by the person who wrote it and that's a powerful moment you know whether it's a performance that's different from the artist that cut it 
hearing the person that created it, wrote it, created that melody, that's powerful. That alone will inspire you to want to be better, you know. Then it's the process of continuing to do it. You know, you have to do, you have to work at it. And then being able to edit yourself is a tough one, you know, where you get out of that place where everything I've written is great, you know, yeah. because it's not, it's not great, especially in the beginning. It's not even good. You know, <laughs> you've got to keep going. <laughs> you've got to keep working at it. You've got to get better or you never will be better. That, I think that makes sense of it. You, yeah. you got to work, you got to work at it or you'll never, ever get, get better. And, and there are a lot of people who make that mistake. They kind of, not that they're even full of themselves. They just think everything they've written is great. Oh, I love it. You know, and, yeah. and you start making some progress. I get it. You know, I'm, I was, I'm sure I was the same way. I know I was, I recently heard some demos from the eighties and it's shocking at how average they are. You know, the ideas, the lines have been said before. It's nothing new, you know, nothing edgy. And then eventually it did start leaning that direction, but that was all a process. Took a lot of frustration trying to record with a little four track, trying to program drums Ugh, I hate, then i tried to play all the instruments and it's uh, it was a lot you know but yeah. like i said when i met better songwriters and they slowly took me in it was intimidating yes but i learned so much and it really elevated it pushed me just like a, an athlete or anything else you get around a great athlete man it can make you step up your game and that's kind of sure. what my my very first co-ride in nashville of course grew up in the austin area loved the progressive country thing was on fire when I was in high school and a Jerry Jeff Walker, guys like that, you know, Doug Somm, Rusty Weir, Ray Wiley Hubbard, Gary P. Nunn, just went on and on. They were all living and breathing in Austin, Texas. We could drive down there in high school, go to Armadillo World headquarters, and there they were on Friday or Saturday night, you know, it was unbelievable. But uh, a lot of those songs were written by Guy Clark, who I wasn't even sure who that was when I was in high school. I just started seeing his name popping up on songs I liked. Desperado's Waiting for a Train, L.A. Freeway, you know, whatever. Uh, Rita Baloo, love that song. And so uh, my very first, I got my deal at MCA. They signed me. <clears throat> young girl who's going to take on my daily scheduling. And so she goes, I've got you lined up. My first co-write was with Guy Clark, of all, of all the people, you know. Wow. And, oh, man, I just – I didn't sleep for days. I worked on ideas. I just – I was so nervous. And he's kind of a hulk of a guy. He's a big guy. And I kind of germed him and told him how great he was. He's like, fuck that. You know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to hear any of that. And then, then he, he liked this idea I had. And, and he kind of just made me – automatically made me feel welcomed and like, you can do this, you know. You've got a good idea here. Let, and then he said, let me take this home. And work on it. But before he did that, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm trying to get over being in the room with Guy Clark, a true hero of mine. <laughs> and then he goes, uh, hey, man, he goes, you want to get high? <laughs> and I said, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now now I'm high with Guy. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm paranoid. I got a million oh, things going through my head. Oh, my Absolutely. God. Absolutely. Oh, my gra God. He graciously went, let me take this home. Then he started inviting me out to his house, his little place where he was living, where he had his shop. He had a, he had a cool little woodworking shop where he was building guitars. And he liked to write there and had 
cassettes and all of his woodworking stuff on one wall, guitars on the other wall he had built from hand, handmade. Oh, wow. And it was, it was a wonderful experience. I could never relax. I was just in awe of him. I don't, we, we wrote a couple of cool things. I never wrote the classic great guy Clark Sonis on all of his albums. I wish I had. I just, he's one of those guys, he was just too big for me in the room. And I knew in the back of my mind, guys, like that, he doesn't need someone like me to write a great song. He wrote most of those by himself, a lot of them, you know. But he was doing me a favor. I had a deal. I'm from Texas. This is going to be a we should we should meet, you know, the label. Yeah, he's sure. in Nashville trying to make a living, you know. And so, uh, but it, it turned into more than that. I ended up bringing other young artists over to meet him, which he really loved, and a couple that he really hit it off with. But oh, that's cool. That's yeah, that's really cool. A young guy from Australia named Jed Hughes, who is a phenomenal musician. He's he plays on a lot of. Uh, Why is there a lot of Australians that play country music? I, I you know it's alive and well over there. I mean, I went and toured there with Brooks and Dunn, and it is a it's a big part of music. Yeah, it, it, they remind me of Texans in a way. They're they're rowdy, drinking, music loving. Love Australians, man. Yeah, yeah, I love Australians. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we were there for 15 days and it was phenomenal. I loved it, man. But uh, that particular kid, Jed, I met him when he was 19. And he's played on amazing albums, songs, hit records. He was an artist. I produced a record on him at MCA. But one of the first things I thought was, man, you need to know someone like Guy Clark, you know? So I took him over there and they just hit it off. Guy just fell in love with him, but mainly because of his talent. His guitar skills were off the charts. He was he was phenomenal, and he still is. He's still he's about thirty seven. He was nineteen when I met him, but um, but yeah, I, I was I've always been like that, especially with someone like Guy. If I'm mentoring or if I'm helping someone, helping get them in the room with someone like that is that's somebody you need to know, you know. Well, I think it's part of the industry, right? You're helping each other. I think that's you know keeps it yeah. going. I think that's <laughs> phenomenal. Um, you know, when you're writing a song with people like that or anybody really, do you think it's, especially if you're starting out, do you think it's important to put your ideas out or stay back in the, you know, <laughs> shadows and listen and kind of, oh. or do you think, you know what, just throw it out. If they, if they're going to trash it, they trash it, but we move on. Right. At least I know that's no good and I can focus on something else. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm asking for other struggling songwriters out there who are like, well, do I keep my that's... mouth shut? Right. Do I, do I just go get food? Yeah. yeah. What am I here for? Right. Or, or do you just say go for it? That's a really good question. And you know, the answer is it's all of the above. It really is. In the <laughs> beginning, in the beginning, it's very intimidating. I, I got to write because I had a record deal. I got to write with some legendary people that I had admired songs that I grew up with that were, you know, Grammy award winning, whatever. And uh, then all of a sudden it's just you and this guy in their office somewhere, wow. you know, Woo, wow. the door is shut and it's, you know, you want to run. Part of you is like, I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can do this, you know? Yeah. Oh, then, God. I, yeah, I can't imagine. Then but you're look, there for a reason, you know? You're there for a reason. I always tried to come prepared, whether the idea ended up sticking or not. But I always tried to have, like with Guy, I bet I had five ideas that day. A good one, an okay one, two that sucked and whatever, <laughs> you know? I just, I had to have a backup plan because I was so intimidated by him, you know? And, uh, and it's a lot like that. Some days you have a little thought in your head and go, oh, this is so bad. And a lot of my, fr my writer friends will say that. They'll go, listen, this may sound stupid, 
but I want to throw this out there, you know? And a lot of times you'll be surprised how many times that's the line that actually works, you know, because it comes from sort of an honest, real place, you know? It's not all twisted in shape to make it work. It's just like, this could work, you know? That's, yeah. that's, a, that's something I wish I had said. That's when you know you're in the right direction, you know? But it's tough, though. It's a strange business where a lot of times you'll go in the room and you're just meeting this person for the first time. So it's like, hey, how you doing? Now let's sit down and pour our hearts out to each other. You know, it's a it's a strange process, and it is intimidating. And I'm I'm a I'm a people person. I'm an outgoing guy, so that's not a real big problem. But now I have to also step it up with a damn good idea, or I'm wasting a really good songwriter's time. You know, I got to get the most of this moment, make the most of it. I got to try and keep pulling up my end of the deal here and. Yeah. Pull my weight and make it happen. And it's it's different every time, man. There's no one way to do it. It's a crazy thing. Even though I've had success, I've written big songs, but you start over every time you get you open the door and walk in that room, you know? Oh, it's, that's uh, crazy. That's it crazy is, to think about. It is about. crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you can pull from what you know, but you can't go back and use the lines you've already used, you know? <laughs> you've got you to start fresh. You've got to assemble and juggle, and it's a puzzle, and you got to hope you can piece it all together. Are you always looking for like, you mentioned this before uh, when you were speaking about writing a song, like something new, right? So are you always trying to create something new, a new story, something that hasn't been told before? Is that, is that really your goal? Well, I think that definitely it helps. I mean, to maybe, because you know, you're, you've heard that where it's like, you'll hear a song go, dang, that's, that's good. That's a good, either a good spin on, a phrase that's worded completely. I would have never thought of that or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those ideas are you're constantly searching and hoping. And of course I have a files and files of ideas and things that I've stored. And then I'll go back and look at them sometime and go, Oh my God, that's so bad. I wouldn't even suggest that to anyone. At the time you thought you're on the, <laughs> on the verge of writing the next, whatever. And it's like, Oh yeah. my God, that's embarrassing. Then you'll hear somebody else come up with it and have a hit on it about a year later and go, damn it. Why didn't I speak up? But yeah, <laughs> That's it's, a, it's a process never ending of trying to, you know, you overhear someone say something or you think you do or whatever, you know, I've read things and even taken it and moved it around and reshaped and that sort of thing, you know, whatever, you never know. Or sometimes it's just a cool lick. I love guitar licks, you know, uh, I had a song with the Brooks and Dunn called play something country, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and, uh, it all started and revolved around a guitar lick, you know. That's the way oh, it was. That's cool. that's Sometimes cool. that can get you going. You just never know where the, where the song and how it's going to start. I think that's fascinating. I always love uh, talking to, uh, you know, every artist about how they how that process is and, you know, everything, because it's different for everybody. I, I just find it fascinating um, just because it's something I can never do, you know. So I'm creative, oh. in, other, I'm creative in other ways, you know. Yeah. But, but that is just well, something uh, so fascinating to me. Well, thank goodness, because everybody here thinks they're a songwriter, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, I remember I, I moved to Nashville, and this young guy was uh, spraying for bugs at my house, and he goes, yeah, you know, Terry, we came here for the same reason. I went, what, to kill cockroaches? What is it? I was like, <laughs> He's like, no, I'm a songwriter. I went, oh, no. <laughs> oh, You're like, how's yeah. it going? Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, yeah I know. Oh. It's strange. Well, maybe, you know, that's, you got to start somewhere, right? You got to, that's it. 
he was willing you to know. get out and work. So I, I admire him for that. A lot of guys oh. think they don't have to work. It's just going to all happen for me. At least he was out there paying his bills until it did, you know? Absolutely. Of course. Well, you know, you probably write so many songs, you don't know what's sticking. And I'm sure the more, as you get more successful, you know, there's more opportunities, right? You're going to get more, yeah. more, more at bats, if you will. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. The, the town, you know, here, as far as, you know, I keep saying here, I live outside of Nashville, but I moved up back in 91. So I've been here for a long time, half of my life in Texas, half of it here in Tennessee. So, and then I spend most of my time touring and heading back to Texas, but it all works out great. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been an interesting journey and a ride for me. I mean, just the whole thing. Having a little success, yes, once you do, then you do get some attention. And, uh, you know, everybody wants that in your business and what you're doing, and especially in this business. You want to get recognized. And uh, now I'm so far on the other side of that. You know, I've done all that. I'm still having some success, but I'm not the hottest guy in town anymore. I don't think I, I was never really the hottest guy, even when I was having – a lot of success. There are just a handful of those guys every year, every generation that they are just, they have their finger on the pulse of whatever works on radio. They just do. And they work wow. hard at it. They're driven by it. I probably wasn't as driven by that. I'm more of a musician at heart. And then I always had a love for writing. I've been doing that most of my life. I, that was my goal for sure. But I just was never fueled. I spent my starving musician phase lasted way longer than I thought it was going to. You know, I, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was living in Austin in my late 20s going, I don't know what I'm going to do. All my friends had already gone on to college. They had jobs, careers, you know. I'm still kicking around trying to tell people I'm this close to almost doing something just didn't sound that exciting. You know, I mean, it's like uh, – I remember I tried to get a loan for a car. My car had blown up on I-35. Oh, my God. Had a, had a hand-me-down uh, Buick Electra or something for my father-in-law. And uh, I think I just put new tires on it. And I was coming back from working out, and I was getting ready to get off of my exit, like Old Tour for whatever there, you know, where I was living at the time. And uh, every idiot light on the dash panel came on, like <laughs> – you are fucked at this moment. Because, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it did not look good. You know, That's smoke hilarious. and every light on your dash is not a good one. So no. I limped my way over, grabbed my little bag or whatever I had, kicked the door shut, and that's the last time I ever saw that car. They, they hauled it off for scrap, I'm sure, later. But I, I tried to get a loan for a car, like a used car. I'm talking used, you know. And I remember my banker at the time was like, yeah, I'd been signed to MCA. I already been signed to one of the biggest record labels in the world. And my banker's like, yeah, man, you know, Terry, this all sounds good, but I don't get it, you know. I was like, and they wouldn't loan me any money because of it. <laughs> I was a bad bet. Yeah, they wouldn't even, wouldn't even loan me. I think it's like $8,000 I was trying to get. Couldn't even get a loan for it. That, so, that sounds like a Coen Brothers scene right there, <laughs> right there. You're, you're at the bank, you're explaining it, and then, just, well, Terry, I just, I just don't get it. Right? I don't I just, get it. <laughs> like Tony Brown, he, he was producing like George Strait, Vince Gill, Patty Loveless. I had a whole, you know, I had a plan going in, and, man, they just shot it down. And oh, This was my, my little God. hometown where I'd grown up, mind yeah. you, where everybody yeah. knew me. 
And it's like, man, this sounds good, Terry, but I just don't understand it. I don't, I don't know that we can, you know, bank on that alone. You know, I went, so Leroy Parnell turned me on to this woman, Lisa Harless, who's still my banker 30 years later. Wow. I called her out of the blue from Austin, Texas. And she goes, Terry, now let me get this straight. You're signed to MCA. You're working with Tony Brown. She goes, how much money do you need? <laughs> and I went, fantastic. So she wired you. me the money overnight to me. I'd never even met her yet. Look yeah. at this. That's yeah. how you do it. That's boss move right there. That is yeah. Boss. She yeah. won me over and I just met with her recently. That would win me over too. That would win <laughs> yeah. me over. You send me, so you wire me some money. You got, I mean, I'm in. I'm, and I was, I was struggling, man. I didn't yeah. know where am I going to go? You know, I mean, I'm trying to, to, to get a couple things that are slowly starting to line up for me. Yeah. But, uh, cause I'd come out of that world of making, 75 to a hundred dollars a night uh playing on sixth street and uh three or four different bands at the same yeah. time and some great musicians wonderful people but just a real struggling environment you know it uh it helped make me become a good player no doubt all the work and the other good players around me but there was just no real way even touring with delbert gosh we were opening for Huey Lewis in 1986, the biggest tour. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Really? Oh, my. Huey, Huey was the king. When I met I Delbert, Huey Lewis. And then, oh, my God. He, was, he, he had the Tower of Power horn section out with him on tour. That tour was called the Four Tour. That was the huge coming off of all the Back to the Future and all those big songs. I mean, Huey was the biggest pop star in the world at that particular Massive. moment. Yeah. And, but when I met Delbert, I auditioned in his living room. Then we moved to a studio. Then one, uh, one day later, I was in Miami. We were opening for John Fogarty. I literally went from Delbert's living room to opening for John Fogarty oh for 30 days. Then we did Huey Lewis for I don't know how many dates. It was just amazing. Big arenas wow. all over the country, wow. all the way out to the West Coast and back. And we'd play parties, rap parties in Los Angeles for Dan Aykroyd. We played the world premiere party for the Dragnet movie, Tom Hanks. Dan Aykroyd. Uh, just, what? Yeah, Delbert did amazing things like that. And he drew an he drew a incredibly uh, I just watched that movie. Just did like, you really? I, I literally, uh, uh, not even a week ago, I just yeah. watched the movie. It's still I hilarious. Still have my, I still have my drag, Dragnet uh, police badge they gave me for the world premiere. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, it's yeah. still hilarious. It still, like, stands up. It's still hilarious. I mean, I'll have to. So I'll have to watch it. And then remember the old guy from uh, Harry Morgan. Wasn't that his name? He was in there. He's from the original Dragnet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, He was yep. there that He's night. He's the captain. He's the captain. That's right. He yep. was there that night. I met him. And oh, a lot man. Of people, a lot of people from Saturday Night Live were there. Uh, yeah. It was an interesting crowd. Yeah, Tom Hanks, of course. He was just yeah, young getting started. You know, he was, yeah. It's hilarious. That was, a, that was a world premiere for MTV, Us and the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was fantastic. God, that's awesome. Man, God, that is just so amazing. What a life, Terry. Well, that's what cool. What a I mean, life. You know, thanks to people like that, Delbert was just a cool guy. He took me in. He liked me. He still does. He's on my new album. Oh, really? <laughs> I have, a, I have a song I wrote with him in mind. It's a fun tune called uh, Went for One and Stayed Till Two. <laughs> it says a little bit about me and Delbert back in the day. And it's all about that, really, just having fun. We had so much fun. 
and I've been down to uh, Mexico at his place a couple of times, and it's uh, he's just a wonderful guy. He's a true That's inspiration. Awesome. I mean, he's almost eighty. He won a Grammy this last year. You know, I mean, he's just he's just he's done it all. You know unbelievable yeah that's unbelievable well let's don't forget to talk a little bit before we go here about your album <laughs> um, okay so let's tell people when it when it comes out yeah i believe the release date's october 23rd so we're getting closer to it okay october 23rd i think this episode comes out probably like 10 days is my oh, guess cool. uh, that's that's, that's usually the so it'll come out right before that so yeah so okay fantastic. so October 23rd, put that on your calendar Yeah, right now. Make sure you can get it. But the song is already out, right? You can listen to the yeah. title. Two, two, two singles are already two, out right now. Two singles, exactly. We, a couple little sneak peeks to the album. The first one is called Calling All Hearts. That's my Texas release. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's, uh, we're Love excited it about that. And then Rebels and Angels, the title cut, the duet with Patty Loveless. That's yeah. out. You can find it. And I'm easy to find and just start looking for Terry McBride music on most places. And I'm out there and uh, love hearing from everybody. That's been the fun part of this little journey is uh, uh, my crowd consists of these original fans and then a lot of younger fans who grew up listening to their parents' music or whatever. And it's made for a, it's made for a, a dedicated little group, you know, and then, and then getting some That's new awesome. fans along the way has been great. It's just been fun. And, starting to see that grow as, as time goes by and this new music has really helped. So it's been fun. Oh, that's awesome. And you're, you know, you're coming out, right? You're putting out your solo album. Yeah. Gonna start playing. Yeah. This is going to yeah. be a whole nother journey, right? For yeah. you. We're going to do, we're already booking dates slowly in 2021. I am doing a cool thing out in Abilene, November 5th. And that's with Robert Earl Keen. And oh, a, wow. A buddy of mine from uh, Nashville, brought a uh, wind varble and it's put on by mark powell it's called the storyteller series they do it every year and mark also has that big festival they do in, in abilene every year like uh outlaws and legends festival it's a very popular but anyway it's a it's sort of a, a songwriter portion of that sort of festival they sell it out every year it's a great opportunity and awesome. i'll be doing that sort of as a one-off but also going to visit a few stations that are playing the song early I just want to kind of go by and see a couple people that want to meet and that's easy enough to do sort of one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. yeah. Absolutely. It's all good, man. All good. I appreciate you, man, very much for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation with you, man. Me it's too, about, man. How long we've we been too, talking, Terry. but it, it, I don't it's know. probably longer than you need, but I, I really I don't it. care. I don't care. <laughs> uh, th this was amazing, uh, Terry. Oh. Yeah, I, I, this was just, this is why I love doing this. This is oh, it. Our man. listeners are going to love this, man. Our listeners are going to love this conversation. Well, you're good. You're good at it. You just, it's a conversation, which it should be. And that's kind of able to dig out some things. I had nothing planned, really. You did a great job of just kind of, helping guide me what you're interested in. And hopefully some of this uh, comes off as interesting to somebody else. <laughs> I think so, man. Look, we took a journey. It's inspiring. You talked about your album. You got cool. told great stories, funny stories. This is exactly, I wish every guest was like this. This is oh, what man. I'm going to expect now, Terry. You set the bar high. <laughs> so anytime well, a guest doesn't perform well, I'm going to say, you know, listen, <laughs> you should really check out the Terry McBride yeah. episode and for next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that guy, but he's he's no Terry McBride, I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, look, uh, Terry, I wish you the best with this new album, man. I can't tell you enough, um, you know, how excited I am for you, man. And, um, you know, yeah, just really excited. And, and um, again, everything I've heard so far is just absolutely amazing and can't wait Aww. for the album to come out. 
Uh, thank you so much, man. I hope to see you down in Texas one day. That'd be great. That would be awesome, man. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm in Austin, baby. You're here. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take you out. I'm a food guy. I'm a chef, so I'll oh, take you I out. I know it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read, your, read a little bit of your history and all that you've done around the world and uh, the food that's been involved. And yeah, that's very cool what you've been up to. And then you've landed somehow there. Are you originally from Texas or no? Yeah, man. I grew up in the Dallas area, actually. Oh, I, see. Um, I, see. I went to school there, graduated high school. Well, I moved here. I moved to Texas when I was six months old. So I'm oh. a Texan, right? I consider yeah, myself a Texan. That's, that's, that's it. From Yeah, that's about as early as you can get started there, man. Yeah, yeah, right? That, that's, that's <laughs> exactly. exactly. I've got, I have a lot of family in that Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, Crowley, yeah. Grapevine, Irving. Yeah, Grapevine. Uh, That's where I, uh, Grapevine Colleyville is the school district I went to. Wow, really? Yeah, my cousins are from there. My aunt Sue, my father's sister still lives out there. I have a cousin who lives out near Justin. My yeah. aunt lives in, other aunt lives in Granbury. Yeah, so, know them all. Know that, yeah, know they're, all. they're all through that area. Yeah. But uh, very cool. Well, listen, uh, again, Tara, I wish you the rest, uh, oh. best of the rest of your day, too, um, and Thank the rest so of the week much. here. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch when the episode comes out. We'll send you guys um, some links and stuff and, and, and all that. And um, oh, yeah, again, that. just yeah, really we'll, appreciate it, man. Hey, we'll help do a, get the word out on this end. That's a, that's a cool thing for us. And my PR team is really good. And I'll, uh, I always like to give them a little follow-up after each thing, but you'll get high marks today from me for sure. Well, that's awesome. We appreciate it, Terry. Uh, again, this was cool. just absolutely amazing. I uh, wish you the best the rest of the day. And yeah, just can't wait. Uh, Rebels and Angels, guys, October 23rd, okay? Do not forget. That, that's yeah. important. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the whole spiel in the intro, too. So we'll uh, – don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to set no, you up, right? Hey, uh, big time. Thank, thanks to you. You were thinking about it. I was completely off on one of your story. <laughs> but I, I forgot I have an album that we might want to bring up at some point. Listen, I was just a guest on a podcast last week, and I, and I didn't – I totally forgot to talk about my own podcast the whole time. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't even bring it to the very end. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Listen, by the well, way. That's when you're having a good time, man. That's yeah, exactly. Not all, not all about the business. That's, that's a good thing. Well, this gets people to know more about you, and then they'll listen to the album on their own, right? What are you going to – Yeah. You know, so, yeah, that's great. Uh, that's what it's about. But anyway, Terry, um, I won't take oh, up uh, any time. Really listen, appreciate it. Likewise, been a pleasure, and I hope we get to do this again. Uh, absolutely, brother. Okay, Terry, right. we'll be good, my man. We'll talk Take soon. Take care. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. Yeah.